0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Many people in our food community have been seriously impacted by Superstorm Sandy, and our hearts go out to them. At HRN, we've been covering these stories since the storm hit. To learn more, visit our website at www.heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program has been brought to you by TechServe, New York's original and still the best Apple computer, iPod, and iPhone store and repair shop. For more information, visit TechServe.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more.
2: We talk about food. Talk about music with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes.
3: It's a
4: for-
5: I was just Conveyor with gatherer that will be playing live later today. Uh, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. Uh, Darren Bresnitz is on his hiatus. Uh, what up, dude? And Joe, our dog. Uh, it's been a few weeks since we have been here. Um, you know, we want to take a moment and send out our thoughts and prayers to so everyone has been affected by and still affected by Sandy. Um, we in Brooklyn were... Or at least in Bushwick, uh, Williamsburg, we're relatively lucky, um, but that does not mean that we are nowhere uh, any less um, saddened by what's happened and um, continuing our efforts through the station and some fundraisers that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, Please go out and volunteer. Please go and check out how you can go help. Um, This is one of those things that doesn't go away and takes a long, long time to recover. Um, So even if you think a month after that your efforts aren't uh, necessary, it will still very much help. So... Please, please, please uh, help. Um, As I said, Conveyor will be on later today. But right now we have Matt Burns from the Brooklyn Salsa Company. Uh, Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thanks. Glad Uh, to be here. I was, you know, almost guzzling. I'm staring at, you know, seven varieties of salsa, and um, they're all really good. But before we get into the, you know, the salsa at hand, why don't you take us back to the beginning of how... Brooklyn Salsa company came to be?
6: Yeah, so we started in Bushwick. Um, it was the early summer of 2008. And my business partner, Rob Banky, and I, we, we lived together in, an, uh, in a converted opera house. It was like an artist loft building. And, and uh, we were making salsa and, and throwing shows in our basement and just kind of a part of the music scene. And it really started from uh, our desire to just eat good food, see great music, and uh, participate in in the Brooklyn community somehow. So we had a close friend who was like, you guys should start a salsa company, and Rob's the one with the MBA, and I come from the creative background. I worked in in a little Mexican taqueria in my home state in South Dakota when I was a teenager and learned how to make salsa and fried chips and, you know, great cheese and make taquitos and this kind of thing. So I just kept doing it for a long, long time. And a close friend was like, "You guys should start a salsa company." And we looked at each other. We're like, "Actually, we should do that." I like how you put
5: grating cheese on the same level as making salsa. Yeah. It's like I would put them at different skill sets. That's just me. Sure. That's just sure.
6: Me. Yeah. Well, in the back of a in the back of a Mexican restaurant, it's like get these things done: three right. chips and salsa for every table. Right. Um. So you guys started that, and what was the um? What was the first flavor? I'd say the first flavor was the pure because it all. Started with just um, you know those simple ingredients: tomato, onion, cilantro, lime, jalapeno, and that's really what the pure is. It's it's uh, I don't want to say it's traditional, but it's the, maybe the most common salsa flavor that that you would taste out of our line. And how
5: do you start peddling salsa?
6: So we started peddling salsa uh, first on our bikes. We we were doing <laughs> literally, literally peddling, peddling it on our bikes. Things. Yeah, we 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 bought a chip fryer. And we would go around the neighborhood and pick up ingredients from these, like, you know, Dominican food distributors and grocery stores and stuff and bring it home and make and try to figure out our ingredients. And we, you know, we basically were like, well, let's start a taco delivery service first. And it was a late night kind of phone number only uh, experience where people could just dial up our number. We'd make a couple tacos and then we'd send our friends out to deliver them. And that's how we got the word out about the Brooklyn Sauce Company first that we were doing it, and it took us about a year before we were able to um, get it in the jar and and out to some stores. How were how are you um, how are you sending it out before? Like, what was the packaging? Well, there. Well, first we had a biodegradable, like um, you know, a corn-based little you know plastic Tupperware kind of a thing that that we did, and it was all fresh salsa in the beginning. And the salsa you eat today in the jars, those are the fresh recipes that now have to be heated you know pasteurized and sealed into a jar um and when we were doing the taco delivery service you could order a vegan taco but your choice was the salsa flavor so say you want i'm going to get the tropical and it would be the same taco for everyone, one um but you would choose your salsa
5: so the the taco really was just more like a vessel for your condiment exactly um and so and i mean you were vegan yeah, 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 and, yeah, for uh, a long time. Which is, you know, really amazing. That you know, I feel like we've always contended on this show that meat is amazing, and, and don't get us wrong, but coaxing flavors out of uh, vegetables mm-hmm. is like a whole other world. Um, we had a kaijutsu this past weekend, which is like one of the best vegetarian, almost obviously vegan restaurants I've ever eaten And just like ancient art of just coaxing flavors out of vegetables. And all of the stuff here is so flavorful. And it it's just kind of like slaps yeah. you across the tongue.
6: That was something that we wanted from the very beginning. We wanted a full vegan line. We never talked about a cheese dipper, uh, you know, expanding into anything strange. We want to play with vegetables and their flavors. And a lot of what we do is y- using fresh lime juice to bring out the elements. And that's, that's Mexican food, period. Just a lot of lime juice uh, and, you know, ingredients like cilantro, sea salt, things like this that, that make flavors pop. You know, one of the uh, difficulties, I think, for a lot of
5: Brooklyn-Bushwick companies is, you know, they get to this kind of level of, you know, they reach I- local iconic status, but then it's sometimes hard to cross over. How did you get out from, like, the Brooklyn-Bushwick area and kind of expand to, which is now a national chain?
6: Yeah. Um, it's really a good question because it, it's something that's facing a lot of uh, of the members of this, you know, Brooklyn food movement is how do you how do you take your idea – this thing you love to make in your kitchen, maybe a recipe that your mom had, or you know, an idea that you've got with your friends. How do you take it to the next level? Um, and for us, we after we went through our you know preparation stage, how are we going to do this? You know, using Google, trying to figure out, okay, how do we put it in a jar? How do we seal the jar? What kind of preservation is needed? Well, luckily for us, we found that it was just lime juice. But then it was okay how do we make this and get it out there and hustle it? And so in the very beginning, it was just us in the kitchen making it, blending it. And then we would do it at shows and stuff, but we knew that we couldn't sell that product into grocery stores. So when the, we went to, um, you know, kind of more mass production where we would do a lot at one time. Like I think the very first time we made, uh, our salsa in a jar, we made a thousand jars of each flavor because we wanted to concentrate our efforts so that we just focus on one flavor, make as much as we could of each one. And then once we had it, head out store by store, say, hey, we're, we're in the neighborhood. Um, but how
5: did you get into store? I mean, did you, you proved that it was pasteurized and that
6: it was safe and can sit on the shelf. Exactly. Well, things like, you know, the nutritional information on the side of a jar. Well, how do you do that? Where do you get that? We worked with Cornell University. and um, How did you approach them? We just called them up and they've got they've got a food research lab there that uh can do a lot of those early things, you know, understanding what your pH level is, what does it take to seal it, what are the steps? It's called a scheduled process that you need. And that is um kind of the scientific formulation of how you make the recipe that you would do at home into a shelf stable um packaged something that you could sell out into the market is
5: did you have to pay them or is it did you work with students
6: or yeah you well you do pay them um do you mind sharing how much it is uh it's only a couple hundred dollars it's not bad really oh yeah it's not like you don't have to pay them ten thousand dollars to get this information
5: so it's not that difficult to go from something that's successful in your kitchen to coming up with a recipe that you could produce and mass on a mass scale
6: yeah it's not difficult to do that at all what's difficult then is to assemble the ingredients to really start selling it. So for instance, a lot of the the food vendors who get started, you know, at a place like the Brooklyn Flea or, or uh, Smorgasburg or anywhere else that, that people are starting to sell their own condiments, on a week-by-week basis, if you can do it out of a commercial kitchen, you know, you can rent those for 40 bucks an hour and you can, you can really make some stuff, but then how do you take it to that next level where you sell it into stores? Well, you have to figure out a way to make a lot more Uh, In a more concentrated amount of time. So, if you focus on one thing for a weekend, you know, for two days straight and make as many as you can, and then you have 500, you know, jars of salsa, then you start to say, well, all right, for us, our salsa is good for about two years. Um, So, we have that amount of time to go out and find ways to sell it. So, starting to talk to distributors. But really, you know, when you're getting started, for us, it was store by store, talking to the manager, saying, we'll drop it off ourselves. Uh, And for, I think, the first you know almost i mean we've been a company for two and a half years now selling our salsa but for the first over a year and a half every single store that sold us was us driving it there and how did you find distribution well partially we reached out um you know we knew we wanted to get into distribution networks so that it could spread and we knew that we weren't going to be able to take it really outside of the city on our own and at the same time just by setting us up uh at flea markets and things people started to hear about it getting early press you know and so some contacted us we contacted some and now it's a constant game of of well how do we continue to expand our reach uh all right well let's take a quick musical break and then we're going to talk about some of
5: the flavors including the two new ones um salsa power lifestyle micheladas uh and all things uh brooklyn salsa company uh, I just want to let you know that tomorrow is the release of the third Snacky Tunes live comp, which you'll be able to get for free. You can head to the org or FOTPNYC.com tomorrow. The link will be live. It'll be a free download. And tomorrow night, we are hosting a uh, hurricane uh, benefit party over at Cameo. Um, all the thing, all the money and proceeds will go to the Red Hook Initiative, um, 10% in the bar as well. So drink up. It's at Cameo Gallery on North Six and Wythe. We're going to have live performances from Erica Spring, Moonhooch, X-Cops, uh, and DJ Sets by Rewards and Computer Magic. All those bands uh, are on the comp. Doors are at 7, first band at 8. Um, it's a $5 donation suggested. You can, of course, give more or just show up and drink. Uh, and uh, we really hope to see you all out there. Um, and this is a track that's going to be on the comp from the Spring Standards. Uh, you are listening to Snacky Tunes. I uh-huh. Standards, uh, live on Snacky Tunes, Snacky Tunes, Volume 3, out tomorrow. If you want to hear the first two volumes, they're up on the Heritage Radio Network SoundCloud. Just Google Heritage Radio Network SoundCloud, Snacky Tunes. You'll find it. Really, really proud of uh, this comp. Uh, on the show, we are back with Matt Burns from the Brooklyn Salsa Company. Um, trying to figure out how to not overdose on all of these uh, salsas and, and the pizza. Sauce. And salad, but um, what I'm really excited about is your brand new mole sauce because mole is amazing. Let's just let's just put that as a statement. Yes, mole it, is that's amazing. A statement.
6: If, um, if you haven't tried it, you got to get into it. Just mole at any of your local Mexican yeah. restaurants. Try it
5: and don't get freaked out by it. it's like 27 ingredients and pumpkins and all mm-hmm. and chocolate all just blends mm-hmm.
6: together to like a. It's actually the original salsa mole. You know, I like didn't know that. for instance guacamole. You know, oh, okay. it's mashed ingredients, mashed vegetables, and from mole, which is, you know, an ancient uh, condiment, ultimately, stew of as many ingredients as you can find. Um, how do you put that then on meats, on vegetables? But let's let's talk about yours because
5: I want to reiterate the fact that all of your salsas are vegan. Yeah. Which is awesome. Um, and then no less uh, amazing and just incredible flavors. But your mole... Is what you were saying when the first mole that's It's actually packaged in a jar.
6: Exactly. It's one of well, definitely in the states, this is the first vegan mole and the first one, um, you know, to be out there on a on a grocery store s- shelf along with salsa, which it is. And uh, traditionally, mole is made with a stock, you know, whether that's a chicken stock or a beef stock, um, cooking bones for a long, long time to get some type of a base, and then adding the chilies and the vegetables and tomatoes, and afterwards. And I thought, well, how are we going to do this? And and then it became more about the coffee, more about the chocolate, more about um, you know the dark ingredients that we could use to to give that black, thick, sweet substance using agave nectar to sweeten it up instead of cane sugar. And um, so yeah, now we've got now we've got a, a vegan uh, mole negro. Uh, it's delicious. I'm actually just kind of creeping on the ingredient list
5: because. Oh it's, yeah. Uh, do you a do you have enough label for it? I don't think so.
6: Yeah, it's right over here. I mean, Boom on the side. That's
5: so I mean, it's actually not that. Oh no, not twenty seven.
6: Not twenty seven <laughs> ingredients. They say I think I think it's like eleven or thirteen ingredients is considered a mole. And the the big one there is the spices that come in afterwards. For us, using black pepper, turmeric, nutmeg, cardamom. I mean- you have so much on there. It's vegan, gluten free. It's mm-hmm. awesome,
5: but it's also conscious methods, which I think is one of like your hallmarks of your yes. company. If you want to, let's talk about that. Where did that come from?
6: Conscious methods, um, direct trade, local source, organic farmers. It came from our desire to um, create a company that operates with integrity, even while growing. We knew that we wanted to grow larger than just New York City. So, how do we do that? How do we create a brand that can can be in California just as much as it can be in New York City um, and not not just use one thing? For instance, a lot of companies these days, they do certified organic. Well, we chose that we wouldn't do certified organic. We chose that we were going to do some organic, some local direct trade and work within those mm-hmm. confines. So um, we work – our main farm is in Milton, New York. It's called Hepworth Farms. They're a seventh generation farm. Shut up. Shout out! What's up? We love you. Um, and the women that operate this farm—they're doing it right. From the very, very beginning, we help with the seed selection, heirloom seeds. You know, the catalog every year—what kind of new, exciting things can we use? And so, just like the mixture of the heirloom tomatoes that go into our products—you know, we there's 500 different varietals of tomatoes right. that go into these products, and it's different really every time we make it. Maybe more green tomatoes, maybe more orange, maybe more black. Um, now, do you do you feel going this way, this conscious method, has slowed
5: down growth for you guys, and it's taken a little bit longer, or do you think that you're right on pace, even if you had gone, you know, the more conventional, you know, just en mass, you know, like bio upgraded
6: tomatoes? Sure, it, it's a it's. I think we're right on track for for how we've been doing it. Of course, we could have done a lot more, a lot cheaper. Right. You know, if we were using just tomatoes from China, of course, and even with like organic products, there's always, I can get mechanized California grown tomatoes that are sprayed with an organic compound that turn all the tomatoes red at the same time and then have those sent out, mashed, whatever. And it it would still be a lot cheaper, but using fresh ingredients. Yeah. I, I guess where we are, we're right on track for our own growth. And the best part about it is, you know, we're not – it's not a race. No. We're doing it because we love it and, and it's it's fun to be involved with. And using fresh ingredients too is is another – one of those difficult challenges because other salsas out there that we compete with, they use dehydrated ingredients, dehydrated onions, dehydrated garlic, things like this, that they just add I mean, water. But you can, you can taste this.
5: I mean, I, and yeah. I'm not just saying that because you're sitting in front of me, but you can literally taste. It does feel like someone just like mix this up and like, oh, I just made some salsa this weekend. like, yeah, And it, it tastes like that in a jar, but – you know, I could also see that you would use this just not in chips and salsa, but, like, for c- other cooking methods.
6: Totally. Like, I
5: see, like, maybe not that, but, like, the, the queen one and the hot one and, you know, your new um, your buttersco- butternut puree.
6: Yeah, the butternut squash. It's called the harvest. So I'll take you through the line just a little bit here. We've got, you know, from mild to hot, the green, the pure, the tropical, the curry, the hot. Our new sixth flavor, the mole, which you're gonna see more and more of, and then a seasonal, which we've brought back, the harvest, which is the butternut squash, coconut milk, cinnamon.
5: I mean, I just see throwing some rice in this or some noodles or anything totally. like that because it's not. I mean, for those who are not have not had it's not chunky. It's a puree. Mm-hmm. So
6: it really, it's like not like you're dealing with all the other, which was good. It, well, we call it taqueria style. It's it's a smooth blend, which is the way it would be done in a in a you know downtown. Mexico City little local shop, they'd throw their fresh ingredients in a blender, whip them up, take them out. And all these recipes, like I said, these are our fresh recipes, just jarred. Gotcha.
5: Um, so, final question is, you know, what's next for you guys? Like, what's on the, the horizon?
6: Well, next summer, we're going to bring out a chunky line. Oh. People have been asking for it, and uh, we're thinking, yeah, is the, the Brook- time.
5: The Brooklynites demand it.
6: Totally. So, we're calling that the Chunk. And it's going to be a line of. of um, uh, I think we'll probably start with three of them and bring those out in the spring and see what people want. And we've just started selling our salsas into the Barclays Center in the VIP suites out there. So if uh, you're ever you're ever out partying with Jay Z and, and the NBA crew, get some BK salsa at That's the Barclays. Pretty amid- How did that too. happen? It just they they're doing it right over there. They're bringing in local food companies.
5: That's amazing. And I, I bet the fact that you have Brooklyn in the name doesn't hurt because they're like all things Brooklyn. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, do you want to give us the nuts and bolts where people can find you, where they can find their local retailer?
6: Totally. We're, we're sold in Whole Foods. We're sold on Fresh Direct if you like to do your groceries that way. Citarella, Degostino's, Fairway Markets, um, a lot of the, the you know, local smaller stores. You can, you can find us in a great many places. Amazing. And website? BKSalsa.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at bk salsa. Awesome. Take the lid off there. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you
5: for joining us. Um, we have uh, a couple more tracks from the Snacky Tunes Live Volume 3 comp. This uh, is Reggie Watts, followed up by Wallpaper, who you all know wrote our theme song. Comp is out tomorrow, release, and Hurricane uh, Benefit, tomorrow for Red Hook Initiative at Cameo Gallery. Uh, this is Reggie Watts with uh, the track Internet Radio.
7: This is a song that I did a long time ago. And this is about people who have a difficult time adjusting to where they could go and where they could be. So without further ado, I think I will to take a chance to do this hey yeah what's up i was just wondering could you come ca- yeah she's turned off the reverb. okay here we go Wait. We'll be right <laughs> The negative just as important as positivity, yeah, yeah, yeah. You wanna... Get enough zone, sitting on a plate with a knife what you gonna do when you get married your wife she always staring at you with those googly eyes but never would you do it if you had to despise who you was in the first place listen you gotta learn to accept the grace of the beauty of the, you the anything you thing that you see don't you gotta put yourself down on one knee and tell yourself what you really doing this for is a side of pressure whatever you a whore listen I got, I got this. this up I'm on the switch, switch. you gotta, gotta do it Anything, 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 anything you can do with <laughs> <clears throat> You can <could>, <laughs> <could, clears throat> use some words Just cause this sound and make you feel tough and shit But you would never do this Yo <laughs> Yeah come on uh 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 radio radio um yeah yeah uh internet radio uh internet radio radio internet radio what you gonna what you gonna what 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 a, 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 a if you wanna take anything don't know
0: uh,
5: Alright, we're just gonna fade that out cause uh we have a conveyor in here and I feel like uh we got a lot to talk about. Um welcome to the show, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thank you. You're uh, you gonna start off with a story. Why don't we start with the story?
3: Yeah. So Evan has a bad back and every now and then he'll go into these um, those Chinese massage parlors that you'll see on the sort of um, basement-type underground buildings where it's like foot and back rub, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and he goes, and what's, this, what's the setup normally there?
8: You know, it's uh, usually maybe 5 to 10 rooms, depending on the size of the place. Um, maybe 5 employees there, you know, naturally. And really bad music um usually instrumental flute driven versions of popular (laughs) songs like simon and garfunkel songs and things like that and yeah usually it just uh it's just straightforward i get i pay 15 bucks i get like 10 minute back massage
3: so but the other day he was on like lexington and 63rd which is a sort of um unfamiliar territory (laughs) and uh Having some time between jobs, he thought, you know, I'll just go into one of these back massage places, I'll get a, a quick back massage, and I'll, and I'll get to my second job. And uh, so the first thing you noticed when you went in there was, instead of the standard sort of older Asian woman, um, conservatively dressed, was a, was a very young a Korean girl. What was she wearing?
8: Um, hardly anything. <laughs> A very low-cut T-shirt and extremely short, tight jean shorts.
3: So, but you asked her for a back massage, and she took you... What did she say? She took you to a bathroom.
8: Well, yeah, I I walked in, and I said, confused... Like, I was already confused, but too disoriented to make sense of my environment, or put it all together. And so I walked in, and I said, back rub? (laughs) And she said, bathroom. (laughs) And I said, no, back rub. And then she still was convinced that I was saying bathroom, so it took me to the bathroom so quickly that I was still unable to like, communicate what I really wanted that, in that moment. So I was just standing there at the bathroom entrance with her. And, yeah.
3: and, and so you know, it, it took until three other young Korean girls dressed exactly the same came into the room and for the main girl to say, one hour, $70 yeah. for Evan to realize that he'd walked in on a Korean prostitution ring
8: wow Yeah, and so <laughs> <laughs> oh there's a so okay. well no no I mean yeah so I walked in and I yeah I was trying to I really just want I didn't want to well first of all I didn't have an hour to spare <laughs> oh that's that's the first thing the first yeah. thing so but before I put it together I was like oh, I can't do I can't be here for an hour and she's like no 30 minutes just our $70 which is like significantly more expensive than I've seen massages at other places in the city um, and then... Well, you
5: were on 63rd in Lexington.
8: Yes, yeah, so I was so naive. I, <laughs> I didn't put anything together, um, any of that together at the moment. And when, once she said that, she stuck to the hour, then it hit me, I was like, oh, I need to get the fuck out of here. I'm in, I'm in a, like, you know, a prostitution, uh, Place. center.
9: Center? <laughs> a center for prostitution. <laughs> center for
8: prostitution. Um, yeah. Yeah, a brothel, if you will. But, uh, yeah, so it's still, they're still out there, um, <laughs> Right? Right in the heart of Manhattan. How did the
6: interaction go when you left? With oh, oh, yeah, Sorry. were they
8: angry? No, no. Once I yeah, once it happened, I was once I realized what was going on, I was just like, Oh yeah, I need to get out of here. So I said, Alright, thank you and then I just I just walked out the door. And I was just I was so confused for a minute and felt yeah.
5: How's your back? It still hurts. Okay. Uh Welcome, there. welcome to Snacky Tunes. I uh, oh, really appreciate you guys being here. Um Let's take it back. Let's go to Gainesville.
9: Yeah. What do you miss about Gainesville? The swamp, and not—I don't mean the football stadium. Although I miss that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I mean the the humidity and the alligators. Do you really miss that? Yeah, absolutely. I I mean,
5: you're wearing a sweater and a beanie, so I'm just curious. Like, you look very adapted to like a northern cold. Well, yeah. This is pretty fashionable in Gainesville too, though. You know, (laughs) kind of a it's College Town. Uh, how did you guys make your way from uh, Gainesville up to New York? By car,
9: mm. um, personally. Per- we we each moved up here either for work or for school, and being the the uh, musicians that we are, we were hungry to put together a band when we moved up here. And since we all knew each other from Florida, it was uh, it was easy to get <clears> it rolling. <throat> Um, and so you guys didn't come up together
3: games Gainesville. You formed here uh, just independently. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, what year was that? That was at the uh, sort of winter 2010-2011. Like, we were all holed up in our apartments. That was a really bad year for Blizzards, I think. I remember. Yeah, and um, that's when we got things going.
5: I'm a big uh, believer that the winter in New York probably spans like a million creative projects that just kind of... Get washed away come summer, but if you can kind of make the hump between winter to winter, <laughs> you have like a chance to actually do something. Um, speaking of anything let's uh, let's hear a song.
3: Yeah, uh, we're gonna play a song called Maine. M A N E.
5: Yeah, you have two spellings, right?
3: Yeah, we have we have a uh, we have an A side and a B side of the same seven inch Maine and Maine. Um, the former being the song we're about to play, and the latter being spelled like Maine the state.
5: Okay. Uh,
3: this okay. is not Maine the state.
2: All right, conveyor live on snacky tunes.
4: ashamed of love I'm serious man I can't stop feeling going out naked nature thin coming on home to sand and water lamb and slaughter first up holiday time and making pie something I wish I'd ever told you is flying on planes I'd like to hold you and nerves like never justified the feeling inside the first up many old
9: worries
4: It's worth it to me Despite the first, of typical sign of dark night. What do I say if taking my time means rushing all the wrong things? I'd rather you take my main and deal with the bucking and fucking up again because it's worth it to me to skate around the bad times. All oh, the little. Talk to at bedtime.
5: Wonderful. I wish there was. I always wish there was more people so, like, the applause because nothing sounds worse than a <laughs> one person applauding. Oh well, Matt and I can applaud. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> cool. Oh. So <laughs> uh, th- thank you, everybody. Yeah. Uh, no problem. <laughs> uh, thank you. Good night. Uh, so, I was I forgot to ask, but uh, is there any food from Gainesville that you miss that is not necessarily done up
9: here?
3: Uh, Where to begin?
9: A Cuban place called Flacco's that's Let's a, just say Cuban
3: sandwiches
5: in general. Cuban it, sandwiches are they are just not the same up here.
9: Yeah, once you yeah, get this far from Miami or Cuba, I guess, <laughs> they just start tasting different. They're not as buttery. Is uh, that, is that really the main difference? <laughs> I, I you know, I feel like the Cuban sandwiches down there, they were just like they were drippy and sloppy and 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 decadent and and
3: delicious and yeah, here the, they're like the Cuban sandwiches up here are like they have a gourmet sort of very clean cut like sprig of arugula <laughs> on the side sort of
5: feel yeah uh my friend was um teaching me some Spanish dishes and I was like are you sure that's how much olive oil we're supposed to use <laughs> and she was like Americans always say that they always say too looks like it's too much this is how our dishes are made it just looks swimming and that's why it tastes so good you just need to deal with it and I'm guessing yeah. it's something similar. To the, worry about the health it. effects later. Yeah, I mean, is there anything else besides Cuban sandwiches that you guys? Uh, Evan.
8: I mean, <laughs> there was a Mexican restaurant there. I mean, but that's there's plenty of that in New York. Bar- to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, barbecue as well. But my favorite place was La Tienda, which is yeah. just a great Mexican mm-hmm. restaurant.
5: Really? What what was your thing there?
8: Um, I used to get these vegetarian uh, the enchiladas with the green sauce. Oh man! Oh, oh yeah, it's so good. Yeah. It was the it was the best like verde enchilada sauce I've ever had.
5: Uh, do you guys cook as a band, or do you guys?
8: Yeah, we we've yeah. been trying to cook more and more. I I really love to cook, and I had gotten out of the habit. But during uh, the hurricane, we were you know stuck inside, so it it was uh, it took a hurricane to motivate me to start cooking <laughs> again. And Alan and I were enjoying cooking a lot of things throughout that week. So, but yeah, and what was the highlight? Hurricane highlight. Um, <laughs> hurricane highlight, wow. I don't pork mean butt. High. I'm
3: just going to jump in and say we roasted a pork oh, butt, yeah. like an all-day sort of in-the-oven roast. And uh, and we made our own sort of home-style South Carolina barbecue sauce. Oh. Which, though we're from Florida, I would say that South Carolina style is my favorite barbecue. Same. Texas um, for me, Texas barbecue is my favorite. Yeah? I just like the mustard. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the pork butt, I think, was a highlight. How sure. did you serve it? Shredded, pulled, if you will, and then on the whitest, bleachiest, sesame seediest <laughs> buns that we could find. Just like totally bad,
5: pasteurized,
3: yeah. like could survive like two years
5: on the shelf, <laughs> no mold, no nothing. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Just
3: soaked up everything and still. And then I think we did um, like collards and french fries and baked beans and we had a whole sort of barbecue day.
5: Did you guys write any music while you were waiting out the uh, the storm?
3: Did we, I don't think we necessarily wrote anything, but we did a lot of recording yeah. and um jamming and Yeah, we never lost power, so it was hard to get away from the T V and the internet.
5: Right. <laughs> I mean it was we were commenting earlier that like I also live in the area and like you would never know here that a few miles away, like except for the oh, TV it's yeah. like devastation and still yeah. devastation. Um but uh it for like the other for the thing it's just like it's crazy how just depending on your elevation in the city it, it didn't really uh it changed so much yeah which is which is crazy um so you guys have a new record newish record mm-hmm. we'll say july is still new yeah new record um out i'm out and uh wanted to how did that come to be from you know making your own eps and everything to uh finding a label
3: well, the story of finding a label. Go. <laughs> oh. uh,
9: well, I wasn't really. I wasn't even there when we when we were introduced to Paper Garden Records. But um, we yeah we we put out a couple EPs uh, and and singles and whatnot on our own. Um, and then I guess played a CMJ show where we met the wonderful folks of Paper Garden Records, and we gave them one of our bright orange vinyls. That caught their attention, they gave it a spin, and the rest is history in the making. I don't... That's <laughs> it? It's just that simple? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, we, we shared it's a lot of uh, beer and conversations, you know, it's kind of like you're dating someone when when a, a band is, uh, you know, looking to start a relationship with a, with a label to help produce something, but... Um, once once that sort of happened we we spent several months recording and writing uh what came to be the record i think it was like an eight month project uh before it was eventually done record be, done being recorded in uh march and a- april ish right mm-hmm. and then it we released it in july um and
3: which i think speaks to our sort of um, mentality with regard to releasing music because that's that's so quick the more I think about it from like the day that we finished it and like locked it in until the day we released it was just like maybe two months time yeah. and I think as a band we're, that's that's just how we think we're like okay this is done it has to be we have to get it out there because we have to move on to the next thing mm-hmm. that's sort of what we're doing right now we're working on the next thing
5: I mean let's let's remind the listeners that you said you formed in 2010-2011 so which is yeah 2012 so it's really not yeah. that not that far back um let's hear another song
3: sure this um this is going to be another song on the record called muckraker
2: ready muckraker are you so
5: You almost got me on like that false, that false ending. I almost took the mic back. Yeah, um, so to good. Th- Throw in a lot of gotchas. In our, in our <laughs> music. What's our? How many gotcha moments is a song gonna have? Uh, what's the average gotcha moment for song?
3: I want to say like three or four. Yeah,
9: yeah. That was that was a, a m- that was nothing. But even <laughs> that one had
3: some hidden gotchas. What's yeah, it? Just like,
9: a meter in the verses is a gotcha.
3: <laughs> it really.
9: It's me sometimes <laughs> really
3: you're
5: like I know I wrote this and I was there <laughs> but I keep falling for the same goddamn joke um so you guys are on to the next uh recording cycle but I mean have you taken time for tours been out on the road for sure taken that car that took you from Gainesville <laughs> <to> elsewhere <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we've well, we upgraded to a to a 12 passenger van so very nice we're very nice we're we're road ready um did you guys head out at all uh this summer
9: yeah Where'd you guys hit. Pretty much the entire month of July, nice. we were we were c- circling the country counterclockwise. <laughs> okay, I got it. Yeah, from New York counterclockwise, a little zigzagging back and forthing. Back Any and uh, and forthing. unexpected highlights? Fort Wayne, Indiana. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean,
5: a actually, city this is a, a <laughs> good
3: story. Um,
9: so there's this massage
5: parlor.
3: <laughs>
9: yeah, we make sure to try them all out.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, I've never heard of Fort Wayne before, but it's a college town. I think they have like an art school there. And this was in the middle of the summer, the sort of like second week of July. And in New York, it was 108 degrees. In Chicago, it was 108 degrees. Elsewhere, it was 108 degrees, including Fort Wayne, Indiana. It might have been 109. It was pretty hot there. It could have been 109 or 10. But it was so hot that day that the town had lost power or Uh two, two thirds of the town had lost power. And we, we happened to be playing in the only bar in the one third of town that still had power. So, um, we roll up to this, uh, roll up to this bar. I think Evan had a heat stroke in the back of the van because we lost our air conditioning that same day. And, uh, all of a sudden it starts filling up and then, Five or six hours later at two o'clock in the morning when we're supposed to play, it's just like packed in there because people are trying to get out of the heat and not go to bed because it's too hot to sleep. And uh, it was a great show. Yeah, That's so crazy. Uh, and did you, well, I mean, did you have
5: uh, people come with to you that's like, you know, I came in because it was hot, but man, I'm really glad yeah. that I yeah. did. Yeah. And, we,
9: and we played really late. We went on after 1 a.m. and and it was still packed
3: after we were done.
9: Wait, what time does, do bars close in Fort Wayne?
3: I want to say we know. were there to like 3 or 3.30. They were really rocking the AC. I think they had to. I think yeah. if they had shut it down, there would have been a riot.
5: Right. So, like, I mean, did people kind of, like, sway when they watched <laughs> you guys? Like, no one, like, was <laughs> obviously <laughs> jumping around. Were they kind of were just, like, moving back and there forth? There was actually more people jumping around at that show than maybe any of our other shows. Really? Yeah. yeah before, did they, they double down on the heat?
9: <laughs> they, they, were, uh, they were doing it in Fort Wayne. They were
5: dancing. They were really yeah. dancing. Great. I mean, who, uh, shout out to your booking agent. Who's your booking agent? Uh, Alan, yeah. mostly. <laughs> 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 you guys still book all your own shows? We do. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, why that route as opposed to uh, a booking agent? It's a
2: great question.
3: It is a good question. I don't, I mean, there's there's really no answer other than it's the only option we have right now. Oh. Yeah. What do they, um, there's a phrase for that sort of thing. Not necessary evil, but it, it was like a necessity. It just necessitated that we book our own shows because. I think at the time that we were planning our tour, yeah, we, the hadn't album even, we hadn't even put our album out, so we right. still had a very low profile. Um, but we knew that if we wanted to tour for 40 days, we were going to have to start booking it like five or six months in advance. So we just, Alan and Evan, Alan really took the lead and just started doing it on his own, contacting other bands in other cities. And then before we knew it, we were booking some like really nice venues and some really good... Um, Sort of like radio appearances, and we did Day Trotter while we were on the road. Love Day Trotter, yeah! Um, shout out, shout out, shout out to Sean, yeah, Sean. Um I never met him in real life. Uh, we did NPR, or we were on NPR while we were on the road. It, it just turned, into, it just blossomed into this really nice sort of homegrown tour. Now, did you take ten percent?
9: <laughs> uh no i did not <laughs> we'll talk afterwards right
5: <laughs> um but that's i mean and also like the thing about that is, like you also own it in a way that you know the people i mean you know it's tough you know from a band perspective it's like no one wants to talk money just because they like want to show up and they're like oh i don't know but if you can kind of own that it's like a much more experience because it's a long relationship and like right. that's why you know for like you and i speaking about booking this show it's like hey man we've been speaking for a few months really happy to have you here yeah. um you know, I I kind of like that cutting out the middle person first. As, yeah, as long know, as you can. As long as you can. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not I'm not too anxious to do it all over again.
9: Yeah, no, I, <laughs> no, no but it was a good experience. Yeah, and we kind of had to pay our dues. I think you know we had to prove that we could that we could do that and, and we could support our our whole tour on our yeah. own before people would give us a sort of a uh, credibility or time of day even um, to you know prove that when we go back we can we can do it again if uh, just as good if not better.
5: And don't get me wrong, I mean, I think that uh booking agents and PR people play a very important role, especially as bands get bigger and they just run out of time to focus on touring and writing music. But I think when bands are starting out, it's like so important just to connect with people and not have someone else do it for you because uh no one's gonna be more excited about you than yourself, sure, yeah. and then sure. you can hire in the people as like the you know you get bigger so um well, I want to thank you guys for coming because I want to make sure we get one more. Song and um, want to give me the nuts and bolts of where you can buy the record, how to find you guys, how to hit up Alan so
3: he can book you, <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> Boise, get at him. <laughs> uh, you can find the record on conveyor.bandcamp.com, which uh, we're still using as a great resource for it's bands. really, really good. Um, you can also find it on papergardenrecords.com if you want to sort of pretend that we're like a, a really, really legit band and we go through our label. Um, you can... Find us on Twitter and Facebook if you do all the right Googling. Um, what were the other questions? We're playing next at 285 Kent on Thursday, November 29th. Um, so you can see our live sort of... Uh, it's
5: different. I mean, I played uh, a track from you guys in the opening. It's more sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is
9: our stripped-down set. No, it, it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's
5: awesome. I like it. And um, let me just say thanks to Brian. Thanks to Heidi. Thank you to Heidi. Sure. Who forwarded over the uh, email, which is... Again, people that kind of get in there. So what are you guys going to... Oh, before I close you out, let me close this out. Um, Thank you all for listening. Uh, Reminder, Snacky Tunes Live, Volume 3, if most of you are getting this on the podcast, is up now. If you're listening live, it's out tomorrow. You can go to heritageradionetwork.org or fotpnyc.com, or you can just kind of Google Heritage Radio Network, Snacky Tunes, SoundCloud. Um, The comp is free. It features Reggie Waltz, Wallpaper, Spento Band, Dragonet. Computer Magic, Erica from Alvar Simone, and a tons more. Um, And tomorrow night, uh, on the 13th, we are doing a Red Hook Initiative benefit at Cameo Gallery at North Six and Wythe. We have X-Cops, Erica, Spring, Moonhooch all playing live. DJ sets by Computer Magic and Rewards. um, $5 donation or more at the door. 10% of the bar all goes to the Red Hook Initiative. Please go out and volunteer. Um, The mess is not cleaned up and far from it, so... Even if you're hearing this a month from now, please go out. People still need help. Check. Make sure you're giving to good places. Donate some winter clothes. Beanies are acceptable. Thanks. Um, And uh, Conveyor, thank you so much. Matt Burns, I'm going to drink your salsa when this is done. And, um, (laughs) yeah. Hey, that's how it goes in Snacky Tunes. And uh, we will be off next week. um, Going home to Philadelphia to celebrate Thanksgiving. My mom was already making pies. (laughs) and uh, uh, we will be back in a couple weeks with more episodes of Snacky Tunes what are you guys going to take us out with
3: we're going to speaking of moms we're going to play a song um, that's about talking to your mother about um, sort of important things so the song is called Mom Talk
4: So I took my swimming trunks and a book of love words I rode my bike and sang songs onto the boardwalk I opened up my throat and I will not forget to send a photo off Put on a pack of jacket to walk a mile. I opened every throat and made love in nature. Said, sorry, son, it's gone away. We were not scared. I might have turned my phone off. I I might have tried tried to. I might have hurt my ankle. I I might might have tried to. to. I might have eaten something. I I might have tried to. I might have taken off. But heaven didn't come and I was hurting sun. was away and my friends were too. I was away and my friends were too. Hey mom, hey mom, hey mom, hey mom, hey mom, hey mom. What do you want to talk about today? Hey mom, hey mom, hey mom, hey mom, hey mom, hey mom. What do you want to talk about today? do you want to talk about today? Hey mom, hey mom, hey mom, hey mom, hey mom, hey mom, what do you want to talk about today?
1: Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.